Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Come on, let's give everyone at home a big, big welcome to the room today. God wants you to live in freedom. Thanks everyone who supported the book, written reviews, etc. It's been really helpful, and I hope the book has helped you. Is the book helping anyone? The greatest gift to the world is the real you. Dare to be the real you. Series verse comes from the second book of Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 18. It says, and we, with unveiled, unmasked faces, all reflect the Lord's glory, and we are being transformed into his likeness. Transformation begins by recognition, recognizing those areas in our lives that we need to change. Our goal in this life is to be transformed into his likeness, to become more like Jesus, become more like Jesus. And in the book, we look at 10 masks, not physical masks, invisible masks that we've all worn or all wear, and the 10 masks that I personally struggled with. Uh, Week one, we looked at fear. Week two, last week, we looked at rejection, and this week, we were going to unpack one more. Last week, we looked at who do I live my life to please? Do I choose to live my life to please God or people? Live for an audience of one. We looked at do we see rejection as a comma or a full stop? And how God uses rejection as redirection in our life. And the hardest part of last week's message is, will I trust that love never fails? We forgive those who've rejected us. The worst thing in the world, for me, is not to know Jesus. Is not to know Jesus. But the second worst thing in the world is... To know Jesus, but not enjoy him. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. Jesus wants you to enjoy the life that he created for you. So what stops us enjoying life? Well, the answer is simply living with shame. Living with shame. How can we enjoy life if we don't like ourselves. You can't enjoy a holiday destination if when you get there, you don't like the destination. You can't enjoy life if you're living with this ugly mask that we're gonna unpack today, shame. Now, I'm a bit of an Apple groupie. I've got the watch, the laptop, the iPad, and the phone. Is there any other groupies out there, Apple groupies? All right, you guys can all sit down the front in the center. Android groupies, you guys sit right at the back. Um, Who just doesn't care? Okay, you're just like, as long as it works, I'll use it. A few months months ago, a few months ago, my MacBook stopped working and um, I'd attempted numerous soft resets, reboots, but nothing changed. So I went to the Apple store and went to the Genius Bar. Has anyone ever been to the Genius Bar? They are amazing. They're so helpful and friendly. And uh, the Genius guy carried out a, what I now know as a hard reset. And he cleared all the hard drive. He removed all the caches, and it's called a factory reset. 
which means basically my MacBook came to me as when I first bought it, apart from a few scratches, wears and tears. And as I went in the, in the shop, I realized that, and I've written it in the book, that it's very similar to what happens when you become a follower of Jesus. When you became a follower of Christ, he did a full factory reset on your life. He cleared your cachet. He didn't just give you a soft reset or a reboot. I know some of us need a bit of a boot. But God didn't just put the boot in. He did a hard reset of our life. He wiped you clean. Hebrews 8.12 says, God will remember our shortcomings and sin no more. It was a hard reset. Christ died so we could have security and freedom in him. So shame and security cannot coexist in Christ. What is shame? Talk about this a lot in the book, but if I had to sum it up in just a, a line, shame is simply feeling a feeling of being worthless or not worthy of love. So we feel worthless, we feel devalued or of little value. And I meet a lot of Christians, a lot of people in life who struggle with unmasking shame. Shame attaches itself to us and is like an unwanted guest in our lives. Many of us will have maybe even heard the words, maybe at school or university or in a relationship, a marriage, shame on you. You know what the devil loves to do? He loves to put shame on you. The mask of shame. I've had many moments of shame throughout my life, and I know you have experienced it too. I've experienced immense regrets, mistakes. I've let myself down, and I've made to make a decision that I will not be determined by shame. That actually as a follower of Christ that we're going to have a new identity. And so I want to just, just speak for a few minutes this, this, this morning on the title, Shame Unmasked. Shame Unmasked. I encourage you to write this down. Now, some of you will not have experienced or you don't experience shame and that's fantastic, but I know that you'll know someone who does. And I might share some thoughts today that will help you help someone else. That's why we encourage you to take notes. Now, in Europe during the 17th century, a shame mask was placed on prisoners who had committed violent crimes. And men, and mainly women, were forced to wear it in order to humiliate them publicly. They were made of cold metals. They were created in pretty mortifying designs, mainly pigs. And it was the ultimate mask of shame. And it would muzzle their mouths, and if they tried to speak, a spike would go into their mouth and pierce their tongue. This was the ultimate mask of shame. Can you imagine walking down gentlemen's walk wearing that? That's how they treated people 300 years ago. Thankfully today, we, we don't wear iron masks of shame, but the devil is still trying to put the mask of shame on people. It might not look like a pig's head, it might not have a spike, but let me tell you, it is still piercing people's lives. It's still hurting people, causing immense shame in people's lives. Jesus himself, he understood shame. 
his crucifixion was more than just death. Romans used to crucify Jews naked on the cross. Why? Because they wanted them to feel shame. When Jesus went to the cross, he had this title put on the cross. It said, Jesus, King of the Jews. It was the ultimate title of shame. Why? Because kings aren't crucified publicly and naked. Jesus understood shame. It says in Hebrews 12 too, it says, Jesus endured the cross, enduring our shame. God wants you to live in freedom because he has paid for your shame. He has paid for my shame. Now, the reason God wants you to live in, in freedom is this, because shame does three things. Write this down. Number one is shame breeds fear. Why does it breed fear? Because we're so fearful that we'll be exposed and someone will find out. So we live in fear. We've made a mistake and we live in fear of something we did months, years, decades ago. And so the devil loves shame because we live in fear because we, we're praying that someone doesn't find out. Second thing shame leads to is shame breeds blame. Blame. We make a mistake. What's the first thing we want to do? Blame everyone else for it. We get defensive. We don't want to take responsibility. So shame breeds fear. But the second thing does is shame breeds blame. Number three, shame bleed, breeds disconnection. Disconnection. Whenever my relationships are broken down or your relationships, shame is close by. One of the reasons that people disconnect from church is shame. Because they don't feel good enough to come. That's why we keep saying these, this line, come as you are, because we really mean that. It means whatever's happened on a Monday, you can come to church on a Sunday, and God still loves you and accepts you. On the way into church today, I don't have to be a prophet to realize that as someone was driving in, the devil whispered this into your ear, you're not good enough to come to church today. You're not good enough. I know people, many people who've got to the, the corner of Mason Road, the corner of the church, they've literally turned around and driven out again. Why? Because shame breeds disconnection. It breeds fear, it breeds blame, but it breeds disconnection. We don't feel good enough. The Bible has a lot to say on this subject. In Isaiah 54, 4, it says, Do not fear, you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame you will forget, you will forget, this is personal, the shame of your youth. The prophet Isaiah recognizes it's often the mistakes, the choices we make in our younger years that cause us to live in shame later in life. Notice he talks about the shame of your youth. We've made some silly choices when we're growing up and we live with them. Now notice it doesn't say Forget the mistakes of your youth. It says the shame of your youth. God doesn't want you to forget your mistakes. Because in them we'd repeat them. He wants you to forget the shame attached to your mistakes. God doesn't want us to live in shame. God wants us to live in freedom. The answer to removing the mask of shame is to confront shame-based thinking. So I'm going to just give you four real simple steps to unmask shame in your life. Are you ready? I'm kind of a holler back speaker. All right. You guys have had a little sleep in, all right? The 8.30s. 
So we're up early. You guys have had a cooked breakfast. Your husband brought your breakfast in bed. You're ready, fired up, ready to go. Is that right? You're like, no. Is that right, Mark Collinger? Okay, four simple steps. Number one, if we're going to remove the mask of shame, we've got to, number one, name the shame. Name the shame. First step to recognizing areas we are carrying in the past. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, describes the enemy, the enemy of our lives, which is the devil. And by the way, I'm going to be talking about the devil in this service, okay? If you're like, whoa, okay, if you can watch Harry Potter, you can come to church and hear about the devil, okay? Don't tell me it's weird in church and you watch all that weird stuff on Netflix, okay? The devil is real. He's real. And he's wanting to steal people's lives. So we've got to talk about it. You've got to know your enemy before you conquer your enemy. Okay, so Revelation 12.10 says the enemy is the accuser of the church. He wants to point fingers. He wants to accuse you. Satan is constantly trying to accuse you. You didn't read your Bible today. You haven't prayed for a week. You weren't nice to your wife this morning. But then you brought her breakfast in bed. For those online, my wife is heckling me. You're not really a proper Christian. I'm not talking to Chantel. You could have done better at work this week. The enemy, the devil, he is an accuser. He is constantly trying to accuse you and I of things. And often we've been living with shame for so long that putting the shame mask on each morning is just something we do automatically. We put our, our socks on, we get dressed, and we just put it on. Because we've been so used to wearing it. But we've got to be vulnerable with ourselves and name the shame. You know the devil hates it when we expose shame. Because when you expose shame, you actually expose him. Because he is the accuser of the church. He is the author of shame. 2010, my father passed away. I was living in Cape Town, South Africa. And it's very difficult if ever you've been living abroad or you've been separated from family and they have a terminal diagnosis and you have this decision of trying to continue to perform in your job and we were, we were associate pastors in a church and I flew home four times back and forth. Mark and Sharon are amazing. They let us live in their house. I was coming, came back for a weekend trying to balance life but having a dad who was passing away at the same time was probably the most difficult year of my life, 2010. But when dad finally passed away in May 2010... I felt this shame come on me. And some of you will have experienced this with loss. And the shame was simply, you should have prayed more. You could have been there more. You could have done more. Now, for some of you, you don't understand that. But for, I know for a lot of you, you will understand how the devil plays tricks on you and how the devil wants to bring shame on us. And today, we're going to make peace for ourselves through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I lived with that. I talk about it in the book. I lived with that for 12 months before God gave me the keys to living and walking in freedom. And I don't know how long you've carried your shame for. I don't know what's happened in your past, but all I know is Jesus wants to set people free today. Whom the Son sets free 
is free indeed. I'm a child of God. That's who I am. I can't change. Maybe I should have been, maybe I could have been, but the reality is that is in the past and I cannot change it. And all I know is my dad would want me to walk in freedom and God wants you to walk in freedom. So the first thing you've got to do is recognize an area of your life that you're carrying shame in. And you've got to name it. And it's painful. Second area is this. You've got to name it and then you've got to shame it. You've actually got to shame shame. The devil cannot wait for you to open your eyes in the morning. Because the first thing he wants to tell you is you're not. You're not. You're not good enough. You're not good enough to come to church. You're not good enough to get that job. You're not qualified enough to get to university. You're, you're not good enough to be healed. You're not good enough to write a book. Do you know how many times the enemy told me I'm not good enough? And then you just feel like you're not good enough. We, we never quite weigh up enough. You're not good enough to lead church. You're not good enough. You're not good enough to be a dad. You're not good enough to be a spouse. You're not good enough. And the devil cannot wait to whisper the words, you're not. As soon as you wake up. And the challenge with you're not is, over time, you're not turns into I'm not. So the devil whispers, you're not, you're not, you're not. And you whisper, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. We program our minds, I'm I'm not good enough to be married. I'm not good enough to be a dad. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And we end up agreeing with him. We end up going out for lunch with a friend outside. Of course. And all of a sudden the lunch turns into, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. How many lunches have I had with people? in the good old days and they just tell me all the things that they're not and it's simply because of their thinking you've got to name it but then you've actually got to take a step forward and shame it now growing up I sprouted very late in high school I'll spare you the details I wasn't a fighter, I was a talker. And however quick you thought you were, I could strike back, not with my biceps, but my tongue. Now, as believers in Christ, we have to shame the shamer. We can't physically attack an invisible enemy. You can stand in your bedroom and he's looking at you going... Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt you. I'll tell you what hurts the devil, your words. Because the Bible says, resist the devil and he shall flee from you. Punching thin air ain't going to change anything. But the moment you start speaking the word of God, and when he starts telling you, you're not, you're not, you're not, and you start coming back and saying, actually, devil, I am, I am, I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am a new creation. I am as bold as a lion. I am a child of God. I am complete in him. I am alive in Christ. I am free from the sin of law and death. I am born of God. 
Come on, are you seeing the shift today? When the devil comes at you with you're not, you're not, you're not, you come straight back at him and say, but devil, hey, 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 I am, I am, I am. Now let's try this. Let's see how good you are. I'm going to be the devil for a bit. I know that's hard to believe. I'm going to start on this side, already. Okay, so you've got to practice. Because in tomorrow morning, when you wake up, the enemy could be pointing the finger at shame at you. You've got to know how to come back at him. You're not, you're not, you're not. I'm sort of not that worried with that response. You're not, you're not, you're not. Yes, that's good. Come on, you can shout back. I'm more than a conqueror. You can shout back whatever you want because I'm going to accuse you and I want you to practice back at me. You're not, you're not, you're not. You're not. You're not. Come on. What about this side? I heard this is the rowdy section. Come on. I don't want the neighbors to hear. You're not, you're not, you're not. Ah. You're not, you're not, you're not. Come on. This is our weapon against the enemy. You've got to shame the shamer. I'm not going to allow the enemy to tell me I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Got to expose him. Chantel keeps saying, she says, an enemy exposed is an enemy defeated. You've got to expose the enemy of shame in your life. Now, let me show you the power of saying I am. Because I am, or je suis, in French. (laughs) Did I tell you about my F in French? True story. Exodus chapter 3. I want to show you the power of declaring I am. Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Who shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say to the people of Israel, wait for this, I am has sent you. God's name is I am. One of his names is I am. So when the enemy comes at you with you're not, you're not, you're not, when you come back, you're not just saying some fancy words back to the devil. You are actually declaring the name of God back over the accuser, back over the shamer. You're coming back and you're saying, I am, I am, I am. You are saying the creator, Father God, my Abba, my daddy, you are in control of my life. Come on. I am, I am, I am. Come on, a little bit more. Come on, I am, I am, I am. You're not, you're not, you're not. You're rowdy now, I like it. There is no other book that can remove shame from your life than the Word of God. When you declare, I am, you wake up in the morning, you stand there and say, I am the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. I am free from the law of sin and death. I am a child of God. You are striking back at the shamer. Number three. You've got to name it, you've got to shame it. Number three, you've got to share it. You've got to share the shame. Now, this is difficult. 
because this is where we have to share our shame in a safe place. Shame spreads when we internalize it. Chantelle lived with shame for many years with what happened to her as a little girl. But when she shared the shame in a place and a person who she trusted and loved, something shifted in her. It was her first step to walking in freedom. She'd understood the scriptures. She understood the I am, I am, I am. She'd named it, but here's the deal. She had to actually share it with someone. And shame must first happen in an environment of trust. This is why groups are so important in the church. We can't do proper community before and after church. We've got some tables and chairs set out and the sunshine, and that's fantastic, but we can't do it properly right now. We kind of, kind of hustle you all in and then try to, we have to do that. But groups meet online and groups meet. You can have bubbles of six. I encourage people to be in group because there's going to be times where you're going to need to share stuff. Yeah. Stuff's happening in your life and you're going to need to go somewhere. Where if you're on your own, it's going to be really difficult. So I'm going to challenge you. Are you in a group? Are you part of a small group? Trust takes time. I get that. But start it today. You can head to soulchurch.com and we've got a whole host of different groups. But we'd love you to be part of a small community group. Why? Because we want you to have a place that you can trust people. 12 months after my dad passed away, I was in Australia. It was freezing cold. It was the winter. Over there, it was July, and I was in a safe place. I was with pastors Robert Ferguson and his wife Amanda, who spoke in our church in January. And uh, he said to me, he said, are you okay? And I, as I, I talked about in the book, often I can mask how I'm feeling by my humor. We all have ways where we can bounce things back at someone by telling a joke and making everyone else feel like we're okay. But reality is, I wasn't. And he said, are you really okay? And by the way, if someone ever says, are you really okay? It's probably time to open your heart a little if you trust them. So I shared with him, I said, of the last 12 months since my dad passed, I've lived with this shame because I felt I should have been there, I should have prayed more, all the things I told you. And for the next hour and a half, two hours, I sat there with his wife and I just shared how I was feeling and they gave me some really great wisdom and advice and it was really helpful and I haven't got time to share that. But what I learned in that moment was this, that you've got to share your shame. You've got to share your shame. You've got to have the courage to speak to someone. This is why don't carry your shame alone. Share it with someone. And no one, nobody in this church is beyond redemption. Nobody. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We've got to be there for people. We're in a church, by the way, we don't cancel people. This, 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 this whole thought about cancel culture right now, we just cancel people out. We find a tweet that someone sent 10 years ago or something that's happened in someone's past, we just cancel them out. Jesus never canceled people. Jesus never canceled people. He loved people. The woman caught in the act of adultery, he just loved her. Where are your accusers now? Our job is not to cancel people and accuse people and point the finger at people and judge people and tweet about people and send horrible messages online. we just got to love people. This is a different culture. We are under a different banner. It's called kingdom culture. Don't get caught up on all the stuff online. Keep your focus on Jesus. Got to name it. We've got to shame it. We've got to share it. Number four, we've got to shut it. 
got to shut it. We've got to shut it out of our life once and for all. Once and for all. Shame will continually try and creep back on you. Some of you, and by the end of this service, by the way, you're going to feel like, whoa, I'm, I've dealt with shame till tomorrow morning because it will creep back. It's like you go to the gym and you eat healthy for a day and you think, yeah, I've made it. And then someone brings out the donuts at work because it's someone's birthday and you crumble again. It's like being in Soul Foundation. Marathon runners. But shame will try to keep back on you. You're going to daily, daily, daily choose to shut it out. It's a daily choice to declare, I am. I am, I am, I am. Now, you can never leave things behind until you separate from them. You can't leave the past behind until you separate from your past. If you want to overcome an alcohol addiction, you have to separate yourself from the pub. Simple. If you want to overcome a gambling addiction or an online addiction, what do you got to do? You got to get rid of your smartphone. You've got to get rid of the very thing that's tripping you up. Okay, you got to separate yourself from it. Oh, I'm strong enough. I can handle it. You can handle it for the first two or three weeks, but then it will get you. So you have to separate from the thing that's trying to take you down. We have to shut it out of our life. We cannot leave the door ajar, even a small bit, to shame. You see, we can all live in the shame of yesterday. And shame doesn't die easily, but it does die daily. So daily, daily, we've got to name it, shame it, share it, and shut it. Because every day when those feelings of shame, they come knocking, and they will, they will come knocking. You've got to choose to shut them out. James said it like this in chapter four of his book. He said, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil. You don't resist the devil once. You don't resist the cream cake once. You don't resist it once. You continually have to go, not today, devil. Not today. Not today, devil. Not today. How do we shut it out? How do we shut shame out of our lives? I'm gonna give you three things real quick. I've gone over time, but real, real quick. Number one is this. How do we daily shut shame out? Remember, number one, remember feelings are deceptive. Feelings are very deceptive. We've all said those words, I feel shame, I feel guilty, I feel dirty. Do you know how much it delights God when we believe what His Word says about us, not what our feelings say to us? It delights God. The devil says, shame on you. But Jesus says, shame off you. Shame off you. And as God's shame comes off you, His grace comes on you. I declare shame off you today. Shame off you today. Some of you have heard the word shame on you in that marriage for far too long. You've heard shame on you in that relationship. Shame on you from that boss. But today, Abba Father, your heavenly Father, He is saying shame leave you. Shame off you. You are children, sons and daughters of God. Feelings are deceptive. Second thing is this, you've got to remember that God's love and His forgiveness is never ending towards you. Never ending. I don't know if you're allowed favorite verses, but Lamentations chapter 3, 22 has to be one of my favorite scriptures. 
Because sometimes I wake up and think, oh, why did I say that? Why did I do that? He says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. It is new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Human love is transactional. Human love will come to an end. Human love is often one way. But the steadfast love of the Lord, it never ceases. His love towards you is towards you even when you fall short, even when you feel like you've messed up, even when you don't feel worthy. God's love is never ending towards you. I got asked just a few weeks ago, why does God keep forgiving me? I think that's a pretty good question. Why does God keep forgiving me? I think it's the easiest way to answer the why God keeps forgiving us is because his desire for a relationship with me is stronger than my mistakes. His desire for relationship is stronger than my mistakes. You see, why does Chantel keep forgiving me? Trust me, she does. Because her desire for relationship with me is stronger than my mistakes. So why does our Heavenly Father keep forgiving us? Because I don't know about you, but I feel unworthy. Does anyone else feel unworthy of His grace and His love? He says, John, the reason is because my desire for relationship with you is stronger than your mistakes. Wow. You see, you can overcome any human mistake towards you if your desire for relationship is stronger. If your desire for relationship is stronger, you can overcome the thing in your marriage. You can overcome the thing of your kid if your desire for relationship is stronger. But if our desire is to be right, I'm going to get my apology. Well, if that's your goal, then the relationship will probably never recover. But if my goal is to have a relationship, we can recover from anything. See, the third thing, how do we daily shut it out, is remember, I am not defined by my past. Sounds a bit cliche, and, but it's so true. Isaiah 43, 18 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on those. See, I am doing a new thing. We've got to forget, and I say this respectfully, we've actually got to forget COVID at some point. Not forget those who've lost their lives or forget those who've served us and loved us. And, but some of us, we've actually got to move past it because we can't change 2020. Boy, I'd like to. But at some point, we've got to keep moving forward. We've got to, because the Bible says, forget those former things. Behold, I am doing a new thing. And the shamer, he constantly wants to remind you of your past and your mistakes. And God says, no, no, you're not defined by your mistakes. You're not defined by what, what, what you've done. You're not defined by your disgrace. You are defined by my grace. I am who he says I am. I'm going to finish with this story. There was a dad. He had a son called Billy. It was Billy's birthday. He'd had a short football career. See, I love football stories. So his dad decided to make a small highlight reel of, of Billy's football career. 
And on Billy's birthday, he played back the video. And Billy watched goal after goal fly in, overhead kicks, scissor kicks, free kicks, penalties. I mean, you name it, Billy had done it. You think he was Timu Puki, who's that good. And as the last scene played, Billy sat back and he said to his dad, wow, that was amazing. Was I really that good? What Billy didn't realize is his dad had made him better than he really was. He'd made him look better because he deleted all the missed penalties. He deleted all the free kicks that went flying over the bar. He deleted that game where he got sent off and the red card came out. So all that was in the video was Billy's best moments. When I read that story and I put it in the book, it's because I felt that's exactly what my Heavenly Father has done for me and what your Heavenly Father has done for you. God took my life and He edited it. He just took all the good. He removed all the fouls, the mistakes, the red cards, the wayward moments, and he edited them out of the video, and they didn't make the final cut. And God, the master editor of your life, he's taken out your mistakes, your red cards, your moments of shame, and he's replaced it with his righteousness. And today, you can walk boldly into the throne of grace, and you declare that I am free, free from the law of sin and death. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When the devil comes at you with, you're not, you're not, you're not. You stand up and you say, I am, I am, I am, I am a child of God. Wow, don't you just love that song? And I would just take a moment now to just pray for those people who don't yet know Jesus whilst every Christian is praying. Or maybe you once knew him, but you've walked away from a relationship with him. And I love that Pastor John mentioned that Jesus went to the cross for our freedom and for our security. And he said that he took all our mistakes, all of our sin and our shame so that we could live in freedom. God wants us to live in freedom. What a powerful message that was. But you know, I'm aware that there are some people in this room and people watching online and you don't yet know Jesus. And you might be feeling that I'm not experiencing that freedom. I'm still bound by shame. I'm still bound by the mistakes that I made. But can I tell you, Jesus is here. He wants to encounter you. He wants you to start this journey of a life of freedom and forgiveness and of grace. It's the best decision you could ever make to put your hand up and say, Jesus, I want in. I want this. And maybe you've tried other things to get yourself free from your mistakes or from shame and it hasn't worked. Nothing else works. It says in the Bible that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the key right there, to be in Christ Jesus, to have a relationship with Him. You know, I remember the time when I came back to Jesus after being away from Him. I was expecting Him to be mad. I was expecting him to say, why, why did you do this? I was expecting him to condemn me. But instead, when I opened up my heart to him again, he filled me with peace. Peace that I hadn't felt for such a long time. And I've never looked back since. So if you're in the room, why don't you close your eyes? Why don't you bow your heads? Just out of respect for everyone. And if you're online, you know if I'm speaking to you because your heart is beating a little bit faster. God is speaking to you through his Holy Spirit. 
And I'm going to count to three. And after three, all I'd love for you to do is either if you're in the room, pop your hand up to say, God, I'm in. I want to experience this life of freedom with you at the center of it. Or if you're online, you can text the number that comes on the screen or you can make a comment on there and we'll contact you to get your life with Jesus on track, to help you move in your faith. So, hey, are you ready? I'm going to count to three. One, God loves you. Two, He wants a relationship with you and He's here. He's waiting for you to accept this free gift of forgiveness and of grace. And number three, if that's you, why don't you raise your hand so I can see it and I can pray for you in the room. Come on, thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Come on, let's put our hands together for everyone online as well. All the angels in heaven are celebrating. We are celebrating with you. This is the best decision you could have ever made. Wow. And right now, if you prayed that prayer or you said that, Jesus, I want in, maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you meant it in your heart. I'd love for you to just repeat this prayer after me. We're all going to join. We're all a family here. And online, you can repeat after me as well. So dear Jesus, thank you for first loving me. Thank you for forgiving me of all my mistakes. Today I choose to follow you for the rest of my days. I am now a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And everyone said a big loud, amen, amen. Come on, another round of applause for everyone who made that decision. Praise God for you. And hey, if you're in the room, we would love to give you a gift. We've got a beautiful Bible. As you walk out, you're going to receive a gift. Looks like this. It's going to help you navigate this new life of faith and freedom. And if you're online, we would love to connect with you. Please reach out. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.